In scripture, wisdom is a moral as well as an intellectual quality. Have you ever thought of wisdom as moral? More than mere intelligence or knowledge, just as it is, it is more than mere cleverness or cunning. And so when we ask God for wisdom, we're asking for more than like divine understanding of, of how to proceed. We're asking for moral and intellectual understanding in a circumstance. Now listen to this. J.I. Packer continues and he says, Wisdom is the power to see and the inclination to choose the best and highest goal together with the surest means of attaining it. So let me say that to you again. It is the power to see and the inclination to choose the best and highest goal together with the surest means of attaining it. Now here's, this is sort of a a fulcrum on which human wisdom and divine wisdom part ways. It's the power to see, and we want that, that omniscient power. We know that God is omniscient. The ability to see it all, the big picture. But it is combined with this inclination to choose, and this is where you and I differ from God. We won't always choose the best and highest goal. In and of ourselves, we often choose that which is most self-serving. We may choose the goal of our comfort or our peace, and by peace I mean a temporal peace, or we may choose the comfort of someone else, and now we can think and see how this might apply to the situation with Abby in Ukraine. When we think about what we would choose for her, what we would choose for a population of civilians that are innocent, even, dare I say, what we would choose for Russian civilians who would never choose a war. They're not choosing this. So wisdom is this omniscient ability to see the big picture and know what the highest goal is. Wisdom is, in fact, the practical side. It is the application side of moral goodness. so when we ask God for wisdom, we're asking him for the ability to practically apply moral goodness. Not soft. Now, then, as such, if it is these things, it is found in its fullness only in God. He alone is naturally and entirely and invariably wise. He alone is naturally and entirely and invariably wise. This is J.I. Packer and he continues, God is never other than wise in anything that he does. I asked you guys to think about your own life, a circumstance, something that you would change or you would do differently. God is never other than wise in anything that he does. Wisdom, as the old theologians used to say, is his essence, just as power and truth and immutability and love 
and goodness are his essence. Integral elements, that is, in his character. Okay, I'm going to continue. Um, God's wisdom cannot be frustrated. And this is why we're going to see in Scripture that God's wisdom is allied or coupled with his omnipotence, his power. The divine ability to see on one hand and the divine and supreme ability to act on the other hand. We're going to look at some scriptures that take us there so that we can see that this is straight out of scripture. But let me read this. Power is as much God's essence as wisdom is. Omniscience, all-knowing, governing, omnipotence. So God's omniscience governing his omnipotence. Infinite power ruled by infinite wisdom is a basic biblical description of the divine character of God His wisdom is profound and his power is vast. Now, what we're going to do, I want us to look at some scriptures that talk about this. We're going to go to, um, let's start in Job chapter 9, verse 4. Okay, say it again. Wise in heart and mighty in strength, who has defied him without harm? Okay. So what we're gonna see here, you're just gonna we're gonna see a theme as we travel through some of these verses. Wise and mighty. You see that? Mighty in strength and wise. I looked at the words that we're gonna look at here for wisdom and, and, and strength, and I think that in general they're well translated. They they mean pretty much what they say, and so we won't get too much into the Hebrew. Um, Okay, travel on to Job chapter 12 and look at, and I'll I'll read this one, um, starting at verse 13. With God, look at this, our wisdom and power, counsel and understanding are his. If he tears down, it cannot be rebuilt. And if he imprisons a person, there is no escape. If he holds back the waters, then they will dry up. And if he releases them, they destroy the land. In other words, what he wills cannot be reverted, undone, changed, adapted, altered. You see what scripture is saying? And this is straight out of scripture. And this is a man who suffered. This comes from the man who suffered greatly at the hands of of a good and omnipotent God. A God who could have said, oh no, Satan, you're not going to bring about the destruction of this man's entire family. Oh no, Satan, you're not going to bring about the destruction of his entire livelihood, his animals, his livestock, his resources. But the omnipotent God who is also omniscient in his moral ability to choose the good and highest goal allowed it, stayed the hand of power, 
I want us to understand this God who is wise because our goal in this study has been to know God intimately. And remember the man said, it doesn't matter what someone has done to me because I have known God. And so if we intimately know him, then we need to know that he is not a God who only acts out of a venerable desire for our comfort. Rather, he is a God who is wise and wisdom says, I'm choosing the best goal. And he sees beyond our comfort. This is very complex and nuanced. But if we can wrestle this to the ground, we can have personal peace, lack of turmoil, though we can have emotional desperation in conjunction with that, but we can have personal peace when someone we love is in a foreign country and may die. Or when our spouse is diagnosed with cancer Or when we experience something like rape. If we can wrestle this to the ground first. Or even in the midst of our own personal trials or suffering. That wisdom will choose the highest goal. And in that way it is moral. And therefore it's good and trustworthy. Okay. Let's continue to the next one. Um, Isaiah 40, and we're going to go to verse 26. Keep going to the right. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah 40. You guys know this passage. Crystal, we did this last night when we came home. It says, look up at the sky. Remember when we looked at the stars? I said, look up at all the stars. Remember that? Yeah. We looked up there at those stars. They were beautiful, weren't they? Yeah, they were. Who created all these heavenly lights? He is the one who leads out their ranks and he calls them all by name because of his absolute power and awesome strength. Not one of them is missing. Why do you say, Jacob, why do you say, Israel, the Lord is not aware of what is happening or that my God is not concerned with vindication? And then 28 says this, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is an eternal God, the creator of the whole earth. He does not get tired or weary. And here's this coupling. We started the passage with absolute power and strength in verse 26 and verse 28. The end of it says, there is no limit to his wisdom. There is no limit to his wisdom. And so he is powerful and he is wise. Jeremiah, keep going to the right. Isaiah, Jeremiah, go to chapter 10. I'd never noticed this coupling before. And again, I'm I'm not going to pretend that I noticed it. J.I. Packer points it out in his book. And so I'm just traveling down that, that thought train. Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 12. 
The Lord is the one who by his power made the earth. He is the one who by his wisdom established the world. And by his understanding, Crystal, he spread out the skies. Isn't that amazing? The Lord is the one who by his power made the earth. He is the one who by his wisdom established the world. And by his understanding, he spread out the skies. Isaiah was this prophet who who, who ministered in a time of desperation and oppression. And then Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet. These are not men who who walked easy paths. These are men who were acquainted with suffering. And remember that Jesus is a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And so when, when we talk about this God who is wise and these men attribute wisdom and power to God, they're men who knew suffering. They're not men who had easy lives. And if they're not men who had easy lives, and yet they're standing and saying, recording for all time, he's wise and he's powerful then we need to take note of it. Uh, Go to Daniel. Keep going to the right. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, chapter 2. Remember Daniel. Here's a man who, who saw danger. Okay, he was exiled from his homeland, right? Not a great life. Taken over. I mean, Daniel could literally be our abbey living in a country that was taken over by an oppressive, power-hungry, dominant beast. And Daniel faced lions, stood in the face of kings and said, I'm going to honor my God. So here's a man who had known God well enough to say, I I will do whatever he asks. And Job, a man who knew God well enough, said, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And so somehow they had wrestled down this picture of God as wise and powerful together. Daniel Daniel chapter 2, 20 is where we're going to go. And we see this. It says, actually, verse 19 says, In a night vision, a mystery was revealed to Daniel. So Daniel praised the God of heaven. And this is what he said. Let the name of God be praised forever and ever. For wisdom and power belong to him. He changes times and seasons, deposing some kings and establishing others. We have to make our peace with the reality that he can depose Putin if he wants to. He can establish another. Or in his power, but also in his wisdom, he could stay his hand. He gives wisdom to the wise. He imparts knowledge to those with understanding. If you continue, he reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, but light resides with him. And then Daniel says, O God of my fathers, I acknowledge and glorify you, for you have bestowed wisdom and power on me. Now you have enabled me to understand what I requested from you. And remember, God had revealed understanding to him about a vision, and that's why he said that. And I would say to us that we would go before God quietly, acknowledge him, And say, would you bestow upon us your spirit of wisdom and power that we would be enabled to understand your character and your nature and live at peace with it. 
despite whether we agree or disagree. If we want to go um, backwards to Psalm 147. verse 5. This would be a good verse just to take with you because it's short and, and it's concise and it's saying what we're, what we're discussing this morning. This is why I want to take us here and just write this one down. Our Lord is great and has awesome power and there is no limit to his wisdom. Our Lord is great and has awesome power and there is no limit to his wisdom. What was the circumstance or situation that you thought of when I said I want you to think of something you would do differently in that circumstance have you fleshed out and there could be many I was thinking as I was driving in this morning I'd like to sit down I'm 45 and 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 just make a list of the things I would have changed or done differently I was thinking about you know a guy I dated in high school and how that turned out and the 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 ramifications of that were long and, and in t- intense. I was thinking about as a child, you know, I would have changed um, some of my childhood for sure. You know, even as a child, I thought, I wish I lived in another family where, that, where we have more money and more resources um, because we struggled financially. I was thinking about, um, and, and I could go on, I was thinking it would be very interesting to take an inventory I think cathartic and therapeutic to take an inventory of your life up until now and write down the things that you would adjust. And then say, Lord, in that thing, you had the ability to change the course. If you can spread out the heavens above me and you can literally part oceans and close lion's mouths, certainly you had the power to do it differently, to intervene. And we saw him intervene in scripture, didn't we? He intervened with Jonah, right? He stepped in and said, I will cause a storm. This boat is not going to be okay until this man goes overboard. I'll provide a large fish. He'll hang out for three days inside of the fish. We've seen God intervene. That's intervention if you ask me, right? That's intervention. We know that he has the ability and that he has intervened when someone was not moving in the direction of his purpose. So if he stays his hand, in Russia and Ukraine, then we have to make peace with a God who has all wisdom which is the ability to choose the highest goal and the best goal and he will do that morally because what is his goal what is God's goal Hmm? to glorify his name His goal is long-term, a relationship with all mankind. He created a utopia. Man existed in the utopia, and he walked with him daily and interacted with him daily. 
the great and highest and best goal that God has is the redemption of all mankind, the restoration of all mankind, the relationship of all mankind to himself. He's not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. And that is accomplished by the fame of his name being made known. That's his goal. And remember, I've described that before as an inconvenient truth because it does not involve our comfort always. And yet, his character is kind. Remember, the hesed of God, the mercy and the kindness of God. I told you about Elizabeth Smart and the story of, you know, she was abducted and, and years brutally raped and taken advantage of over and over and over again. And God miraculously one night placed a cup of cold water outside of her tent. Just gave her water in his kindness. That he will meet those who are suffering in their soul space. We may suffer physically, but in the soul, his kindness meets us. So we have to make peace with this reality. Right. Psalm 145, again, it said, or 147 says, Our Lord is great and awesome, has awesome power. There is no limit to his wisdom. Now, if we were to go back to Job 28, let me go first to Romans 6. Let's go to Romans chapter 11, and then we'll like to take you to the New Testament. When we look in the Old Testament, of course, we're always aware and that we're looking at the context there. We're talking about God speaking to through prophets, sometimes to specific groups of people. But these, these passages specifically are relevant to us because they're describing his character and nature, and therefore we can study them without going extensively into the context. But in the New Testament, we know this is for the church. And so Romans chapter 11, 11 I'll start to say 11, Acts and the letter to the Romans. And verse 33 there says this, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how fathomless his ways. And then it goes on and he quotes the Old Testament who has known the mind of the Lord and who has been his counselor. And of course, we know who said this, right? Who said this? This has taken us right back to Job. And who has first given to God that God would ever need to repay them? For from him, listen to this, from him and through him and to him are all things. Where does peace come from? From him and through him and to him are all things. Where does war come from? For from him and to him and through him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. God allowed free will in his wisdom. And a man like Vladimir Putin can choose sin. But God will redeem it. God will redeem it. God would never have chosen for Vladimir Putin to bomb innocent victims. This is not God's will. But in his wisdom, his all-knowing of what Vladimir Putin will do, he will choose the highest and best goal because that is the morality of our God. To him, the only wise king. Romans 16 takes us to that thought. 
verse 25 and 27. Now to him who is able to strengthen you. I love this. I think about this is a prayer for me for Abby right now. To him who is able to strengthen Abby according to his gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery that had been kept for secret for many ages but now is disclosed and through the prophetic scriptures has been made known to all the nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. So his command is that we would respond obediently in faith to the gospel. He's able to strengthen us to that accord. And then it says this, Now to him, the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be glory forever. Amen. He is the only wise one. He's the only wise king who will, in his all-knowing and in his power, choose the moral good and best. And this is what we stand on when we see terror happening across the globe. And and when people start to panic, you know, you guys are, your generation is not so much about this conspiracy theory stuff all the time, but you know, everyone's like, it's going to be World War III or there's a conspiracy and now the, the axes are aligning and and you know what? So be it. Do you think that's outside of the realm of the God who is all powerful and all wise? It's not. It's not. So we're not going to live in terror. We can get a few dried beans and some pounds of dried rice and have it ready in case the end of the world comes. You know, people talk about the apocalypse and they joke, but they're serious. Listen, you and I know our eternal destination. If the apocalypse comes, what is the good and highest goal? Because this is what we'll work for. The gospel. To be made known and proclaimed. And so we'll work to that until we die. Until we run out of provisions. Until we run out of fuel. Until we run out of shelter. Until our home is bombed. And I don't say this callously or carelessly. I don't say this recklessly. I say this because, listen, we're not a wavering people. We're not a terrified people. And our knees may quake. And we may look and think, is this the end? Are we going to enter into another war? A world war? Is this going to be a global thing? So be it. The gospel will be preached in all nations and then the end will come and we go to eternity. And we are going to take everyone we can with us. That's our goal. All right? We're not going to seek our comfort. We're not going to seek our safety. Our goal is the gospel. And we'll say that to our last breath. That's who we are. Why? Because first John, now you are my children, my beloved children. And so our DNA is kingdom DNA. And the kingdom that we're protecting and preserving and building is not the United States of America. No. And it's not Ukraine. It's the kingdom of God and may it come on earth, which is why when Jesus said, I'll teach you how to pray, he said that his kingdom would come on earth. That's the prayer that we pray. Certainly we'll pray for the preservation of the Ukrainian people. Certainly we'll pray for their safety. Certainly we'll pray for their protection. There's nothing shallow about that. God's heart is for refugees. His scripture teaches us that. His heart is for the oppressed. His scripture teaches us that. And we will be a people for the oppressed. 
And we will be a people for refugees always, no matter their ethnicity. But let us understand the kingdom that we seek to build and to grow and to preserve and protect. That we would pledge allegiance to the kingdom of God in a world where people want to pledge to a flag. This is who we are. This is who we are. Remember this, the psalmist said in Psalm 73, Whom have I in heaven but you and earth has nothing that I desire besides you? God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. It doesn't matter what happens on earth, for we have known God. And in his wisdom and in his power, he chooses that which is the greatest good for all mankind. And we trust that. And we wrestle that to the ground until we can live out of that and have peace in that. Remember Lazarus, he let him die. You can go back and read John chapter 11. Job will finish out with this. Chapter 28, he says some things. backwards again in your Bibles. Chapter 28, and we'll look at verse 12. But wisdom, where can it be found? And where is the place of understanding? Mankind does not know its place. It cannot be found in the land of the living. The deep says, it is not with me, and the sea says, wisdom is not with me either. Fine gold cannot be given in exchange for it, nor can its price be weighed out in silver. It cannot be measured out for purchase with the gold of Ophir and with precious onyx or sapphires. Neither gold nor crystal can be compared with it, nor can a vase of gold match its worth. Of coral and jasper no mention will be made. The price of wisdom is more than pearls. The topaz of Cush cannot be compared with it. It cannot be purchased with pure gold. But wisdom, where does it come from? Where is the place of understanding? It has been hidden from the eyes of every living creature and from the birds of the sky it has been concealed. Destruction and death say, with our ears we have heard a rumor about where it can be found. God understands the way to it and he alone knows its place. For he looks to the end of the earth and observes everything under the heavens. God understands the way to it, for he alone knows its place and observes everything under the heavens. God, the only wise King, to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is not the first and it won't be the last global crisis that we'll see. And our hearts will break at loss of innocent human life made in the image of God and worthy of living. Let our hearts break too for the lost soul of a man so corrupted by sin and his eternal destiny. 
and let us heart, our hearts break for the soldiers on both sides. Because when we make the gospel the high and moral and best goal, the center, the fulcrum, we don't pray just for the victims. We pray for the oppressor. And we ask God to turn the hearts of kings, not for comfort of people that we love, but for the eternal destiny, which is the high moral goal of that very lost man. We'll close out in prayer this morning. Father, unto you who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or imagine, we thank you that you are the only wise king. In your power, And in your mercy and in your kindness, would you change the heart of this man who seeks to destroy? We know that his acts are of the enemy to seal, kill, and destroy. This is not from you. And we clearly renounce that evil in the name of Jesus Christ and bind it on earth and pray that your spirit of life would be released. We pray that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. Let your will be done. And God, give our Abbey boldness and courage to proclaim the gospel in the name of Jesus. Give her courage in the face of terror that she knows her God. She knows her destiny. And she knows that as for you, your way is perfect. Let her stand in that and be fortified by her eternal destiny. We're pleading with you to let your will be done, God. And I'm asking that you would give us strength to accept it because you are the only wise king. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.